Hello, neighbor, and welcome today to another podcast episode of Established in the Faith. This is Pastor James Pierce, and what a privilege it is to have all of you out there tuning in with us today. We're going to continue with our study in the book of Revelation. I know it's going to be a blessing to you, and if it is, feel free to like it and share it with others. If you'll go over to EstablishedInTheFaith.com, you'll find more information on how you can subscribe to this podcast. You can now get us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, Blueberry, and others as well. Feel free to contact us there on the website with questions and comments that you may have pertaining to the program today. Well, we're going to go on into the program now, picking it up in Revelation chapter 17 and verse 14, and we hope and pray it'll be a blessing to you. seventeenth chapter of the book of Revelation. This chapter is dealing by and large with the judgment of the great whore. And this is just how God sees every false religion that's in the world. Now how do you identify a false religion? Anything that says it can better mankind or get you to heaven other than Jesus Christ and what he did at Calvary's cross. It is a false religion. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He was not trying to be mean. He was not trying to be intolerant, as people accuse him of being. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He didn't say, I am a way, a truth, or a light. He said, I am the way, singular, one way. No man comes to the Father but by me. And the world is full of false religions. It all goes back to Cain and Abel, and we'll deal with that a little bit later on. But one of the seven angels which had the seven last plagues is explaining to John the seven-headed beast of which this great whore is riding upon. Let's pick it up in verse 9 tonight, Revelation 17, verse 9. We're just going to go back and review some things briefly. Revelation 17, 9, And here is the mind which has wisdom, the seven heads or seven mountains on which the woman sitteth. Now, the seven heads are the empires that have persecuted Israel. They're also called mountains because of all the trials and tribulations that they have caused Israel down through the many centuries. And these trials and tribulations were caused by religion. Each one of these empires had a religion that was dominating it, and that's the reason for the woman sitting upon this beast. Uh, verse 10 says there are seven kings. Now that pertains to the leadership or the government of these particular empires. He said five are fallen. That means at the time that John was writing this, five of those empires had done and come and gone. And then he went on to say there, verse 10, and one is. That would be the Roman empire that was in existence in John's day, and the other is not yet come. 
That refers to the ten nations that will arise within the old Roman Empire territory, which is symbolized by the ten horns of verse 12. That's going to be the seventh empire that will persecute Israel. It could come together at any time. It's known as the revised Roman Empire. And also the latter part of verse 10 says, And when he cometh, he must continue for a short space. Like I said, this revised Roman Empire made up of ten nations could come together at any moment, and it's going to continue for a short space until the Antichrist steps on the scene and uh, he takes it over. And then it will become the Eighth Empire once the Antichrist takes it over. Now, the Antichrist will have a very powerful fallen angel helping him. It is the same fallen angel that aided and abetted Alexander the Great of the Grecian Empire. That's why this Eighth Empire is known as the Revised Grecian Empire. And it is called in verse 11, the beast that was and is not. It was not at the time that John was living. Even he is the eighth and is of the seven and goeth into perdition. When Alexander the Great died at an early age, this fallen angel was locked up in the bottomless pit. But he will be released Sometime in the future when the Antichrist comes on the scene. And the Antichrist is going to almost take over the world. Some have wondered why Alexander the Great was able to do what he did within a short period of time. And it is because he had the help of this fallen angel. And this fallen angel is going to help the Antichrist in the not too distant future. Now... When the Antichrist dies at the Battle of Armageddon, this fallen angel will be sent off into perdition. In other words, he'll be cast into the lake of fire. And that'll be the end of him. Verse 12 says, And the ten horns which thou sawest are ten kings which have received no kingdom as yet, but received power as kings one hour with the beast. Go to Daniel chapter 7, if you will. We have looked at these verses before, but we're going to go a little further tonight. And I uh, mentioned some things to you last week. And I just want you to realize I'm not just pulling things out of the air. Um, there, there's reasons why I say some of the things I say, and we're going to deal with that in just a minute. Daniel chapter 7. Let's begin with verse 2. It's hard to study the book of Revelation without going to Daniel. As someone said, Daniel is to the Old Testament like Revelation is to the New Testament. Daniel 7, let's begin with verse 2. Daniel spake and said, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of the heavens strove upon the great sea. And four great beasts came up from the sea, diverse one from another. This vision that Daniel had, God was showing him the empires that would come in the future and persecute Israel. 
He said in verse 4, The first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. I beheld till the wings thereof were plucked, and it was lifted up from the earth and made to stand upon the feet as a man, and a man's heart was given to it. Now that was the Babylonian empire that is being referred to there. Uh, Verse 5. Daniel said, And behold, another beast, a second, like a bear. It raised itself up on one side, had three ribs in its mouth between the teeth of it, and they said, Thus unto it arise and devour much flesh. That was the Medo-Persian Empire that came after the Babylonian Empire. Verse 6, After this I beheld, and lo, another like a leopard, which had upon the back of it four wings of a fowl. The beast had also four heads, and dominion was given unto it. That is the Grecian Empire. Uh, It had four wings like a fowl on the back of it. A leopard's already the fastest animal in the world. And you put four wings on the back of it, it's going to be super fast. And that was uh, predicting the speed at which Alexander the Great would conquer the world of his day. And it was some 200 years after Daniel wrote this that the Grecian Empire came on the scene. Uh, This beast had four heads. When Alexander the Great died, his kingdom was divided up into four parts. Uh, Verse 7. After this I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible and strong exceedingly, and it had great iron teeth. It devoured and brake in pieces and stamped the residue with the feet of it, and it was diverse from all the other beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. That is the Roman Empire. That followed right after the Grecian Empire. The Roman Empire lasted for a thousand years. Um, Daniel said it was different from all the other beasts that were before it. The Roman Empire was not ruled by kings. Its government was quite different from all the other empires in that it had senators and and Caesars. And um, that's the difference in the Roman Empire. But I want you to notice here about this beast. He said it had ten horns. If you notice back in Revelation 17 and verse 12, uh, John was talking about the uh, ten horns on that beast that he saw. Daniel here is talking about ten horns. That's the ten-horned nation that we were talking about, these ten nations that are going to come together and form the revised Roman Empire. Uh, could be any time in the future. Daniel said in verse 8, Daniel 7, verse 8, he said, I considered the horns, and behold, there came up among them another little Horn before whom there were three of the first horns plucked up by the roots, and behold, in this horn were the eyes like the eyes of a man, and the mouth speaking great things. That little horn that Daniel saw arise among the ten, that is the Antichrist. 
He said that it came up from among them. The Antichrist is going to come out of these ten nations. One of these ten nations that comes together and forms this empire in the future. The Antichrist is going to come from one of these. He has a mouth speaking great things. He's going to be able to bring peace to the Middle East. Something that our presidents have not been able to do. He's going to make a peace pact with Israel. That's amazing to have peace in the Middle East. He's going to have a mouth speaking great things, the Bible says. At some point in time during the first half of the tribulation period, he is going to conquer three of those ten nations. If you look there in Daniel 7, verse 8, it says, And there were three of the first horns plucked up by the roots. The Antichrist is going to conquer three of those nations. And once he does that, the other seven are going to say, Hey, it's better to join him. If you can't beat them, join them. So that's what they're going to do. So they're going to cast in their lot with the Antichrist. Now, if you'll go back to Revelation 17. Look at verse 13. Keep in mind now, the Antichrist is going to conquer three of these nations. The other seven are going to throw in their lot with him. Revelation 17 verse 13 says, These have one mind and shall give their power and strength unto the beast. Once these other seven nations side with the Antichrist, the Antichrist will then have all of their resources and military power. And at the midpoint of the tribulation period, when Antichrist has got these resources and this military power, he's going to break that seven-year peace pact with Israel. And he'll defeat Israel for the first time since they became a nation in 1948. Now let's look at verse 14. Revelation 17 verse 14. These shall make war with the Lamb. These are those who have sided with the Antichrist. Now as it pertains to us today, all who reject Jesus Christ have automatically made a decision to side with the Antichrist. Now, I want you to think about what I've just said. When a person rejects Jesus Christ, they have automatically sided with the Antichrist. Jesus said, if you ain't for me, then you are against me. Also there in verse 14, it says, These shall make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb shall overcome them. They can either side with the Lord Jesus Christ willingly, allowing Him to have His way within their hearts and lives, or they can be overcome forcibly. The choice is up to them, but either way, the Lamb will overcome them. So which side do you want to be on? I don't know about you, but I'm going to be on the side of the Lord. Amen?
The word lamb is used there in this verse. It reflects back to what Jesus did at Calvary. Every time you see that word lamb, it takes us back to Calvary. When John the Baptist introduced the Lord Jesus Christ, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. A phrase that had never been said before in all of human history. The blood of bulls and goats was not enough to take away sin. But Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Lamb, the Lamb of God, takes away the sin of the world. When Jesus died on Calvary, let me tell you, He overcame everything. Think about what I just said. When Jesus died on Calvary's cross, He overcame everything. That's why the next part of that verse there in uh, Revelation seventeen fourteen, He is Lord of lords and King of kings. Let me ask you this question tonight. Have you made Jesus Christ Lord and King in your life? Can you sit here tonight and honestly say that? Now, there'll be some that say, Brother James, yes, I have. He is the Lord and King. But deep down inside, I've got some problems. Let me tell you something. I don't care who you are. If you've made Jesus Christ, if that is your heart's desire for Him to be Lord and King, believe you me, He will overcome do you follow me he will defeat the antichrist he will overcome everything in your life that is anti-christ and anti-god if you've got a problem with cigarettes tonight jesus christ can overcome that in your life if you've got a problem with gambling Jesus Christ can overcome that in your life. He will overcome everything that is anti-Christ and anti-God. But wait a minute. It is only as you continue to keep your faith in what Jesus did at that cross. That's why he is referred to as the Lamb over and over and over again here in the book of Revelation. In the very first chapter, John said this is the revelation of Jesus Christ. Who he is and what he did. Jesus Christ has overcome. All right. He also said there in that verse, These shall make war with the Lamb. The Lamb shall overcome them. For he is Lord of lords and King of kings. And they that are with him are called. The best way to define that word called is with John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. In this one verse alone, out of all of the Bible, this is where God has called the entirety of the human race to be saved. That is the calling. 
That's the best way I can describe to you or define for you the word called. They that are with him are called and chosen. As believers, we are all chosen of God to deliver this message of which I've just given to you. The gospel of Jesus Christ. This world out here has to know about it. It is your responsibility. It is my responsibility to get that message out. Well, you say, well, Brother James, I just just ain't too sure about, you know, the Bible. And I, I just ain't too strong in that area of, of, of voicing scriptures and leading people to the Lord and whatever the case. I understand that. But every single person under the sound of my voice tonight, you can do something to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. Every single one of us can pray. We can pray for the lost. We can pray for those that are preaching the gospel. And as another thing we can do too, we can give our money to support the preaching of the gospel because it's the gospel that's going to change things. Another president is not going to change things, folks. Only the gospel of Jesus Christ can change the hearts of men and turn this thing around. And then he said there in that verse, they that are with him are called, chosen, and faithful. Notice he didn't say that they are successful. He didn't promise us that we were going to be successful. He just said be faithful. Be faithful in the preaching of the gospel. Be faithful in your support of the gospel. Be faithful in your prayer life as it pertains to praying for others and those that are carrying the gospel. All right, Revelation 17, verse 15. And he said unto me, The waters which thou sawest, where the horse sitteth, are peoples and multitudes, nations and tongues. Now this verse explains the waters of verse 1 as being that of peoples, and uh, peoples of every nation and tongue. Now, like I said, the great whore is false religion. And it sits on all of these people. And it dominates. Verse 16. And the ten horns which thou sawest upon the beast, these shall hate the whore, and shall make her desolate and naked, and shall eat her flesh, and burn her with fire. Again, the ten horns are the ten nations that will come together in the not-too-distant future, known as the revised Roman Empire. When the Antichrist takes over, he's going to eliminate every religion that is in his kingdom. The only religion there will be in his kingdom is beast worship. Worship of the Antichrist. The Antichrist will set himself up as God. And the people are going to be forced to worship him. Now, I want you to think about it. This part of the world that we're talking about right now is dominated by Muslims. The religion of Islam controls this part of the world. And the Antichrist 
is going to put down every religion. Christianity's in that. What small part of Christianity is over there. When the rapture takes place, much of them are going to be took out. But it says here, He will make her desolate and naked and shall eat her flesh and burn her with fire. That's going to be the end of religion in that particular part of the world. All right. Um, Verse 17. For God hath put in their hearts to fulfill his will and to agree and give their kingdom unto the beast until the words of God shall be fulfilled. Man rules, but God overrules. These people are going to think that it is their planning. It is their decision to side with the Antichrist. But little do they realize that they are fulfilling the word of God. Verse 18. And the woman which thou sawest is the great city which reigneth over the kings of the earth. Like I've stated before, the great whore is false religions. It goes all the way back to Cain and Abel. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, God pointed to a redeemer. He also skinned, killed an animal and stripped its skin away and covered Adam and Eve. And in that first sacrifice, that first shedding of blood, God instituted the Old Testament sacrificial system. In essence, he was saying this is how you have relationship with God. We see Cain and Abel coming and bringing an offering to the Lord. Abel brought a blood sacrifice and offered it on the altar, and God accepted that sacrifice. For without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. But Cain came and brought his rutabagas and his whatever it was that he had there, and I'm sure he had put a lot of time in them, and I'm sure it was probably the best he could produce. But it wasn't what God said. Cain was trying to make a way to God other than what God said, and that is the problem. Any way other than the way God said is a false way. It won't work, and God can't accept it. God told Cain, go and take a sacrifice, bring it and offer it up, and I'll accept you. But Cain wouldn't do that. Instead, he got mad and killed his brother. And there you have it. The first murder in human history was all because of religion, and Satan has used it from that day until now. But the first organized false religion was when Nimrod came along at the Tower of Babel, got this group of people to try to build a tower up to God. There you have it. Another way to God other than what God said. And God came down and said, this ain't good. And he confounded their language. And they were scattered all over the world. And when you look at the major religions of the world, there are certain traits in those religions that can be traced back to Babylon. 
or the Tower of Babel because they left off building the tower, but later on some men came back and it became a great city. But at any rate, that's where it all started at. It all started in that part of the world. Guess what? It's all going to end right there in that part of the world. If the program today has been a blessing to you, we hope and pray that you'll share it with others. This podcast has been made possible by the prayerful and generous financial support of listeners like you to contact us or to contribute to this ministry. Go to establishedinthefaith.com, click on the Donate tab. All donations are safe and secure through PayPal. We look forward to hearing from you.